Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a September 14th, Wednesday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, a writer for BlazersEdge.com and the former Blazer beat writer from the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back. It is crossover week, as we mentioned on our last podcast, and today we have a little bit of a different flavor for our crossover podcast. Instead of talking to a host of another one of our Locked On podcasts about a specific team, we are talking with Josh Lloyd, who is the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast, and we talk about the Blazers a lot in the context of how they could potentially help your fantasy basketball team. And uh, it's definitely different. I'm in a couple of fantasy basketball leagues. Uh, I'm in one salary cap league, actually with quite a few folks from the Locked On Podcast Network. And uh, I'm also in a a, a league with some friends from college. And, you know, I I really like fantasy basketball. It is... uh, it can be difficult at times to, you know, be consistent with starting the lineups and, and all that stuff because there are games every day, unlike fantasy football, where it's just one day a week. But um, a lot of fun, and nobody does a better job of giving you insight into how effective a fantasy, uh, you know, a player can be in fantasy, giving you fantasy insight than Josh. So if you like fantasy basketball, if you like the Blazers, if you're trying to figure out which Blazers you want to get on your fantasy team, uh, Josh and I talked about you know probably who the best options are to uh, get in your lineup and have in your league. So definitely hope that you guys enjoy that conversation. Definitely subscribe to Josh's podcast if you are a fantasy basketball player. Uh, definitely lots of insight there. I mean, we're in the middle of September, about six weeks away from the start of the season, and he's already getting you ready for fantasy basketball season. And uh, he's just one of many great shows that we have on the Locked On Podcast Network. We just added Locked On Seahawks, so be on the lookout for that. We just added Locked On Warriors the other day, officially. That had been in the works for a while, but now we're we're finally announcing Locked On Warriors with Danny LaRue from the Dunked On Basketball Podcast, as well as Real GM Radio. So, uh, yeah, lots of exciting things happening on the network, and uh, yeah, so... Here is my conversation with Josh Lloyd of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast about the Trailblazers. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by SeatGeek and Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and as always you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. It's another one of the team preview podcasts where uh, we're getting through them definitely at the moment. There's a, there's a lot happening, um, preparing for fantasy leagues, preparing your draft strategy. So we're getting people on from uh, from all, all experts that cover their uh, particular teams. Today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the Portland Trailblazers, a surprise team from last season. And to help me uh, discuss everything that's uh, happening with the Portland Trailblazers, I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Blazers podcast, and that is Eric Gunderson. Eric, how are you? I'm doing good, Josh. Thanks for having me on. Uh, stoked to talk some fantasy. It's it's good to have you. Good to have you here, Eric. Um, as said, Eric hosts the Locked On Blazers podcast, which I do recommend that you guys check out. He's talking all things Portland on that podcast. Um, Eric, what what have you got coming up, or what what have what's been your most recent episodes on uh, on Locked On Blazers? 
You know, we went over uh, kind of what uh, Kevin Pelton was saying uh, in the projections for ESPN Insider. We kind of discussed those, where we think, you know, the Blazers are going to finish, where they think the Blazers are going to finish. And we really talked about, um, you know, whether we agree, disagree, how accurate we think it is. Uh, So did that. I had Kevin Calabro, uh, the Blazers' new play-by-play announcer, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, uh, that was a really good episode. We had, and then last week too, we had Jeff Garcia on from Locked On Spurs. Uh, I, I was a guest on Locked On Spurs, and we talked about the Blazers and Spurs, and you know where we think those teams fit, kind of in relation to each other, in relation to the rest of the teams in the Western Conference. Uh, and and you know we're still gonna we're gonna keep having guests and uh, keep. You know, giving you the Blazers talk that that you want because uh, that's that's what we do at Lockdown Blazers. So definitely, definitely check it out. We're we're everywhere that uh, all the Lockdown podcasts are. So iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, all those places. You also probably heard Eric on uh, the Dunked On podcast last week. He was on with Nate Duncan talking about the Blazers as well. We're going to be talking about the Blazers here, obviously. So first of all, actually, Eric, the quote at the start. Do you know who that was from? It was a current Blazers player, recently. Really, I didn't. Yeah. I, I don't. I didn't. I didn't know that a current Blazers player. Who is that by? Yep. It was. Uh, it was the man we're going to talk about in the first question. That's CJ McCollum. Someone uh, tweeted at him saying, "Like, uh, mate, you've had one good season. You signed a big contract. Stop thinking you're the best player in the world." And that's that was his response. They hated on Jesus too. <laughs> Bless up, my friend. So CJ CJ is a great follow on, on Twitter. He's he's great in the media. He's a he's a really you know, friendly and down to earth sort of guy. I thought that was a fantastic quote that he uh, that he put out, or fantastic tweet that he put out there to that person. We're going to talk CJ in the first question we got here, Eric. And the first one is: Can he realistically get better from a on court perspective, and for also from a statistical output perspective? I I definitely think he can get better as a player uh, overall. Uh, I think his defense is still pretty good. I think it could be a little bit better. I think that offensively I don't know uh really what what more you could expect from him maybe he becomes an even better finisher at the basket maybe he uh gets to the line a little bit more with a you know another year of uh you know just the fact that he's on the radar of referees now you know he's gonna have the ball in his hands he he's a known commodity now and you, you know I think I think that you know, helps get you a little bit more respect from the officials, not to say that they were disrespectful to him last year, but just maybe get a little bit more. And I think from a statistical perspective, I think that you can expect C.J. McCollum to continue to give the numbers in it the way that he did last year. I think he's still going to be very important to the success that the Blazers have. And uh, he's going to be, you know, not only the starting shooting guard, but he's also effectively the backup point guard for this team as well. So he's going to be on the floor, and I think he's going to get numbers, um, you know, no matter what which way the Blazers' season goes, because somebody's going to have to get them, and I think CJ is is, is going to be a big, big time contributor for the Blazers this year. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying there in terms of him becoming a better player. I think a lot of that can come true. Now, from a fantasy point of view, what he did last year was tremendous. He had got 21 points a game, almost two and a half, or he did get two and a half threes a game, three rebounds, almost four and a half assists, 1.2 steals, 45 from the field, 83 from the line, and 42 from three-point land. But my concern from him in a fantasy output is... How does he? How does he shoot forty-two percent from three again? So that drops some of his efficiency, maybe some of his three-point output. And the main thing that was a big contributor in terms of him having a huge leap in what he was able to do fantasy-wise is he took his assist rate up from two point four per thirty-six to four point four. I think that has to fall down a little bit with the addition of Evan Turner. So I can see him being a better player on the court, but his assist numbers dropping and his efficiency numbers. And this is something you talked about with Nate the other day as well. Is that maybe he just doesn't hit that same percentage of threes or same percentage of long twos. And that drops some of his efficiency back. I, I can see that. Um, I, 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 I just think that CJ McCollum is, I don't, I don't necessarily, I know that he, he did hit a really high, absurdly high number of mid range jumpers last year, but I also think that those are shots that he really practices. And I think that the three point shot and 
I, you know, I wouldn't even be surprised if he started taking in a little bit more, you know, pull up threes and, 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 you know, threes off the dribble a little bit more. And uh, I know that's kind of Damian Lillard's forte, but like I, I could definitely see him adding that to his game as well. And, you know, I, I, I think that he, he statistically, I think the, the 42% three point shooting that you mentioned, that's going to be really tough to replicate. But I am not going to put it past him to be able to replicate that because I think he really is a really, you know, amazing knockdown shooter. Uh, you know, he has been, even though he didn't get the time on the court, I think he found ways to be more comfortable, not just, you know, creating for himself, but also in off-ball situations, being more open to catching and shooting when he has a chance, um, which I think is something that he didn't really do as well earlier in his career I think he usually used to feel really only comfortable shooting shots when he was pulling up and dribbling but I think his ability to play off the ball shoot threes and also create and Evan Turner will cut into that uh creation but I still think the Blazers are going to rely on CJ McCollum to create because you know just adding Evan Turner I think will help but you know they're going to need help in a lot of different ways and if Mason Plumlee you know he he also produced a lot of assists too. So if you know if the all the centers there, you know if they're playing more, if Myers Leonard somehow plays more with a bad shoulder last year who didn't play, then you know maybe there's more assists to be had out there for a guy like CJ, even though he's losing some to Evan Turner. Yeah, that, that's a good point. The, the Plumlee factor is is interesting, and we'll talk about the uh, center rotation a little bit later on. But my main point is, is a lot of people came to me in the offseason and said, oh, you know, I can see CJ going forward and being a top 20 type of fantasy guy. And last year, he was just outside the top 30. And my thing is, where does he improve that amount to, to get to, to that next level? And I think he'll probably be around the same sort of level he was, a, a third-round type fantasy guy who you know, potentially scores more, potentially hits more threes, but the efficiency could drop back and the assist numbers, even if they drop back by half an assist a game, it's enough to drop your 10 spot, spots in fantasy ranking. And the, the fact that he was able to get four and a half assists was a, a big reason why he was, he was ranked so highly in the first place. So for him to take a step forward from 30 to 20, means that he'd have to be giving you five and a half assists and scoring 25 points a game and hitting at 48% from the field or 47% and stuff that's just not realistic for him to take that step forward. So some people might think that I'm just really down on McCollum, but that's just not the case. I think that he maintains what he does and improves slightly, but in terms of overall fantasy value, there's little dropbacks that might occur, you know, stop him from actually taking a step forward statistically and numerically in, in that sort of situation. We've talked about Evan Turner a little bit, how does he? How does he fit with Damian Lillard? Do you think that he's a, a good fit? Do you think it was a wise investment from the Blazers? Do you think he starts? I, I mean, in a vacuum, no. But uh, on the fact that whether it was a wise investment, however, the Blazers and the Portland market don't necessarily exist in a vacuum in the NBA. They have to deal with you know all the other teams that are coming after talented players and uh i wasn't even the biggest fan of the chandler parsons deal but you saw him get recruited to memphis and he was the first guy that the blazers went after you know they reportedly wanted Whiteside, but Whiteside obviously wasn't interested in them so it was really i think a proposition of this guy is willing to come here we will pay him a good amount of money and he does help them with something that they lacked, and that is other ball handlers on the perimeter that could really create other than Lillard or CJ McCollum. I don't think that I, this is maybe a lot of people will disagree with this. I don't think he's going to start. Um, and I think his best fit with Damian Lillard is whenever CJ McCollum is resting. So if C.J. McCollum isn't on the court or, you know, C.J. McC- or maybe Mason Plumlee's not on the court, if they're lacking a playmaker, I think he could really help take pressure off of Damian Lillard. But I don't necessarily see him as a starter, at least how I've, con- you know, conceived the starting lineup to be, which I think it's going to be Lillard, McCollum, Aminu, and Plumlee are going to be in there. And then the three is kind of the question mark. And 
I just think that Turner would be much more useful coming off the bench, relieving pressure off of Lillard in that way, and you know, just kind of making better use of his minutes rather than kind of him being redundant with McCollum and Plumley as well. Yeah, it's it is. I do think that he starts, but you know, the Harkless situation. Harkless is probably the better option, and I agree. Putting Turner because in terms of backup point guards, it's it is. Like Shabazz Napier is not going to play a huge role. It's going to be McCollum and it's going to be Turner who handles the ball in backup role. So they, even if he starts, they're going to have to stagger his minutes or and CJ's minutes with with the bench guys as well. Does Turner have any impact on what Dame can do? You know, the, there is the potential that it works out better than uh, I think or a lot of people think, and that just having a guy that can take some pressure off of him, create, let Lillard move off the ball a little bit. I mean, I think that... Lillard is, you know, you want Lillard on the ball, but over 82 games, that does create a really a wear and tear. Also, in a playoff situation, that just makes him easier to uh, cover if you just know that he's going to get the ball every time. And I think CJ McCollum obviously helped relieve that, but then now you have another guy on the court where he can create, and I think he will help him. I don't think that he'll. And also, you know, a guy that can create attention, dribble into the paint a little bit, you know, create a little bit of that, you know, that sucking the defense in, which Damian often does. And I think, I think he will help him. Uh, I think he will help him in this upcoming year. And I think he could also allow Lillard to perhaps be a better defensive player, maybe get a couple more steals, uh, you know, uh, per game or, you know, something else to add to the, to the table because we all know that, you know, Damian Lillard can score and, and shoot and, and, and create for his for his teammates as well. Um, you mentioned the steals with Lillard. That's a real concern with him in fantasy. He just doesn't get enough steals as a point guard and it takes him from being a first-round player to being a, a mid-to-back-end second-round player. Now, some people have mentioned to me, they'll look at it and say, oh, why is Lillard at, at 25 or 26 on your side? And that's when you look at complete nine cat rankings and that's because his turnover level is pretty high and it's because his field goal percentage is low on a huge amount of attempts so that drops him down significantly in those composite type rankings but you should never be looking at rankings in that sort of sense and thinking i've got lillard as the 25 best 25th best player in fantasy he's in a situation where you're discounting the turnovers he's a the 17th ranked player i think that's probably the right spot for him he's going to score a lot he's going to get you high volume high percentage free throws a lot of threes Decent-ish assists, which which actually took a step up last season, but he's never been a really high assist sort of player. And the steals are, are what is a real concern. Is there anything in, in Lillard's game you think that he could ever turn into a 1.2, 1.3 steals guy? Do you think maybe the, the Turner alleviation of you know, creation pressure allows him to go after that a bit more? Or is that just not the way that Stotts really plays? You know, Stotts, the, 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 that's a great point, Josh, the, the point that you make about Stotts kind of being a little risk uh you know trying to be a little risk averse i think that they i just think that lillard just by having a little bit more energy having and and just being better being a little bit smarter being you know i think this is going to be his fourth season now or last year was his fourth or fifth i i can't really remember at this at this juncture but either way he's been in the league now for a little while and just being smarter having that knowledge of when things are going to happen before they happen. I think those things matched with the fact that Turner is going to alleviate some of the pressure of creating every possession. I think all of that could end up in him getting more steals and being a better defensive player just by having a little bit more experience and a little bit more energy to kind of go after them. I don't necessarily think you'll see him gamble super hard for steals, but I think that he will, you know, probably just be a little bit better at them I, I think I could see it because he's an athletic guy I mean you see the stuff that he does on offense and you you have to be incredibly athletic and, and quick and you know be able to move well to be able to do that I mean defense I think is just about effort and and knowledge and I think that if Lillard has a little bit more energy to expend is just a little bit a year smarter I think I think steals will come yeah, I, I, I think that there is upside for that. That's, that's part of it. You grab him in the middle of a second round. He goes from 0.8 steals to 1.1 steals. It seems like a very small amount, but it's such a significant amount that that puts him into you know, top 12 sort of range as being a player, Yeah, along with the high scoring, which is super valuable. So he's a guy, and we don't know how it's going to work out, but 
in, in you know, historically Stotts hasn't been a guy that's encouraged gambling and that keeps you know, all the all the steal rates of all these players down. And we'll see if it changes, but yeah, I I, I don't know if it's gonna he's not gonna become a guy that gets two steals a game or anything along those lines. Evan Turner coming across, he's a really good source of assists, um, adding him off a waiver wire in a deeper sort of fourteen team league, you grab him and get five rebounds, four assists, you know, solidish scoring. Pretty good free throw percentage, okay field goal percentage, but his ceiling to really you know, blow up and have big numbers is limited by those other players on the team. I've got him pegged to play you know, under 30 minutes. Do you think that's realistic? Um, Just under. I've got him at 29. Okay. Uh, you know what? I, I think everything with the Blazers, and this is going to be the most frustrating thing for, fa- for a fantasy player, is just everything for them is going to be situational. Yeah, I can see that. that. That's with a lot of teams as well. Yeah, right. And and I think that um, Turner, I think, will be a good bet to play 20-plus, you know, definitely. But, you know, I think it's those are going to depend on the, the, the game, the opponent, how, you know, how other guys on the team are playing. Maybe Crab's having a good game. Maybe Harkless is having a good game. Maybe for some reason, you know, I, I, I can't, you know, there's so many reasons that you could think of that, you know, you could see Turner maybe not playing, but I think, uh, you know, kind of, a an interesting thing, I guess we'll get to it in a, in a, in a little bit. I won't spoil, uh, what, what's coming later on the episode. Cause I do have something that will tie back into Evan Turner, but I think that Evan Turner in like the, I think he's definitely, you could lock him into the low to mid twenties, I think pushing to 30 just get And this is also because I don't think he's going to start. Yep. Yeah, then that's that's something we just we don't know at this point how they're right, gonna right. run that situation. Like, I'll, I'm we'll talk about Harkless a little bit later. I really like Harkless as a player. I thought he was um, horrifically used in Orlando in his last season there, like, which just that's uh, that's should be the basically the uh, the motto of that team: horrifically used and poor front office decisions. They did it with O'Quinn, they did it with Harkless, then all the you know Oladipo and uh, Tobias Harris deals um, over the past year. They just ruin a lot of young players and Harkless has got a lot of potential but we'll get into him in a sec the question the next question is Mason Plumley. he was the starter for basically or well, he was the starter for all of last season but he wasn't a starter that ever went out there and played 32 minutes or didn't do that consistently he was always limited in what he did because they'd bring in guys like Ed Davis they'd bring in Myers Leonard when he was healthy but this season with El Farouk transitioning to be primarily uh, a four or playing more of his minutes at the four that squishes guys like Davis and Leonard to play more of the five does Plumlee remain the starter or do they mix things up and go five out and put Leonard as the starter or do they split those minutes and, and keep keep a, a ceiling on all the potential of those big men? I, I think that Plumlee will have, at least to start the season, I think he will definitely have a similar role that he did last season where he will start, not necessarily play, a, you know, 30-plus minutes, be in the high 20s most likely and you know get get the assists get the good rebounding numbers you know all those things and I just think that his energy the fact that he's pretty he's pretty tough he's got better size than Davis even though Davis Ed Davis is a better finisher better offensive rebounder I think Plumlee really just is just a better overall basketball player with his passing the fact that he can not just pass the ball, but he can handle the ball. Uh, he can take the ball from coast to coast, and he can start a fast break. He can lead the break. He's a really good ball handler, and I think that is just really valuable to this Blazers team. And I think works with what they want, what they're doing right now. But the thing with Myers Leonard is, is I think that eventually this team would. L- they, I don't. This isn't like anything that I know about what their front office is thinking. But just judging by the fact that you know they gave him a four-year, forty million dollar, forty-one million dollar contract, he has the best physical tools of any of the big men on the roster at seven-one, two forty-five, like real elite center size, and he can also shoot the three really well. And I just think that if you're looking at all of those things, you think that he has the highest ceiling. And I think eventually they would like Myers Leonard to do enough in whatever role that he gets to merit eventually starting. And then you get into another conversation tying back to our last question about Evan Turner, 
which is now that you take Plumley out of the rotation, does starting Turner or taking Plumley out of the starting lineup does that make Turner more valuable to the starters because you lose the ball handling of Plumley? Plumley was basically in the playoffs. He was playing like a, a Joakim Noah role. He, he wasn't scoring. He wasn't able to score, but he was just getting double doubles of rebounds and assists, or you know, close to it. You're know, getting a, a lot of assists, and that was something that we'd never seen from him in Brooklyn. But he definitely increased it through through his time in Portland, and then exploded in that sort of area uh, in the playoffs. I just don't see him being able to get enough minutes to be a to be a top 100 fantasy player. He's already got the deficiency with his free throw shooting, which is not horrible, but he takes a decent chunk of attempts and he's around that 60, 65 mark, which, which is okay, but it still needs to be dealt with in a fantasy point of view. And if the minutes aren't there, especially with these other options like Davis um, and Festus Azili and Myers Leonard, who, who can all play in that in that role, he's not going to get enough minutes. He's fine as a late round pick, but in the end, you're just going to be moving him in and out of your lineup, I think, for the majority of the time because because of those limitations and because of the depth that Portland has uh, established, no no real star player in, at, at the center position, but just a whole bunch of guys with different strengths and different weaknesses that can be played situationally. Like we mentioned earlier, that they're going to be playing things based on what's happening in a game and who they're playing against. Definitely. And I, I think too, you mentioned a really important part at the top that they are committing to starting Alpha Rukamino at power forward. And, you know, they have on top of that, they've got Evan Turner, Alan Crabb, who they both paid over a combined one hundred and forty million dollars to. And then you have Harkless, who may start, but can also play the four. So if they want to go small ball all the time, they can really do that. And then you also have a guy who started a lot of games last year, didn't really produce that much. But you I mean, what if, you know, there's also the possibility like, hey, Noah Vonley is starting to do things and then all of a sudden they're playing him at center. And, you know, it's just all these things that make Plumlee really vulnerable, his minutes vulnerable. Like, they, they, you know, he just may not get that – he just may not get the minutes that, you know, you would want from a starting center. Yeah, um, the, the Vonley one's interesting. Uh, we'll talk about him a little bit later, but I'm just not – I'm not into him at, at all as a player. But well, let's talk the NBA draft. The Blazers didn't have a first-round draft choice. That went in the Aaron Aflalo deal, ended up in Denver. But they did manage to get a Jake Lehman, who was uh, acquired via a trade on draft night. Lehman is not going to see the court, is he? No. Uh, I think that it's kind of been tradition under Terry Stotts uh, in the Stotts Olshay era that they have Damian Lillard is like the, is the exception to the rule that if you're a rookie, basically these guys are not going to see the court. They're just going to work with the assistants. They're going to practice on their, you know, they're going to work at their skills. They're going to scrimmage all that stuff in the gym. But I don't see uh, Jake Lehman seeing the court. Yeah, he's he's just a he's an, look an athletic wing. He's had a massive throwdown dunk in summer league, but he's just yeah, he, he's way down the rotation along with guys like Luis Montero and Pat Connaughton. This these backup wing players who who aren't going to see the court because of Evan Turner, because of Alan Crabb, because of Mo Harkless and these guys who are all ahead of them on the roster. Now we've talked about some free agency acquisitions. Evan Turner, we've spoken about him at length. Festus Azili is the other one. People had a lot of high hopes for him at the start of last season, but the knees look like they're going to be a, a continual issue. He's just had another injection recently. It's going to keep him out for a little bit of time. I, the Blazers are hoping he is back for the start of the season, but I don't think we can really realistically expect him to get 20 minutes a night, can we? No, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, the knees, I think the depth, I think also, I think... So when Kevin Calabro, the Blazers play-by-play announcer, came on the podcast, he brought up a really good point that I hadn't really – I guess I – you know, it sounds so right and then you just didn't think of it. But he brought it to me and it's that, that Festus Azili is probably going to be more of a late-season playoff type of guy. Like I, the way I, could, I, I think of it is like P.J. Brown on the – Boston Celtics when they won the title like he barely played just kind of played at the end of the season in the finals and in the late playoff games because you want a guy that has experience that can really play defense in those situations I just don't yeah I don't see him really getting uh 20 minutes a game 
I think even you know there'll be games where he'll get a DNP just because of, of his knees and also the rotation that they have, just the, the depth that they have at center and you know with the big men. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. I, he's got yeah, Davis, Plumley, and Leonard all ahead of him in in the rotation. Really, look, you could say he's maybe ahead of Davis, but Davis was super effective last season. Has been effective basically everywhere he's gone. Just never gets a real opportunity to play as a in a significant role. But if you're looking at Azili being a fantasy contributor, you're going to be really, really disappointed because he's not going to play a lot of times. He's going to play limited minutes, and then his game is limited as well to being a rebounder and shot blocker, basically, because he just doesn't do enough in any of the other areas. So don't get too uh, too excited about Festus Azili. What about a breakout candidate, uh, Eric? Who's a guy? And you can frame it however you want. You can look at what is, is a guy going from good to great, from bad to playable. Who, who's the guy that you think can take a step forward this season? I really think that this year Myers Leonard is going to be a really strong, strong player for the Blazers. I just think that he, you know, he had he he has a new contract now. He doesn't have the whole, you know, will you extend before the season, which he had hanging over him last year. He's not going to have. I know. I don't know if he's going to be completely healthy to start the season, but I think he's going to be very ready. He's going to be ready very early in the season, uh, recovering from that shoulder injury. I think the fact that he can shoot the way he can at his position is really good. I think that he is becoming a better defensive player. I don't necessarily know if that's going to lead to blocks, but I think it will help lead to more defensive rebounds. And I think that, you know, I I, I think that he really has a chance to be a, a really solid player and really break out because you know, he's coming up now uh, on, you know, he's been in the league for a long time, as long as Damian Lillard has. And, you know, he didn't really, you know, he lost his spot in the starting lineup last year to, to Noah Vonley, which, you know, they wanted to make sure that Vonley played and he fit better with the bench unit. But now that they've gone to this small ball look with Aminu at four most of the time, you know, he really has an opportunity to work his way into the starting lineup. And I think that he really could, I think he's a guy that really could break out because I don't think he, he's had moments so far in his, in his young career, but he hasn't really had that breakout moment where, you know, people are, you know, he's, you know, really on people's radar. He was really good in the 2015 playoffs. He, he shot the ball uh, exceptionally well all through that season, really. But in the playoffs, he, he was really, really good. Um, what he is is a guy that's never going to be a, a huge shot blocker or defensive player you know, statistically. Um, but as a big man who can give you efficient field goal percentage, three-point percentage, free throw percentage, he could potentially hit two threes a game. He could give you 12 to 14 points, sort of like a a Channing Fry type of player is what you should be sort of looking at from Leonard. That's a sort of, and out of position threes like that, as well as being efficient in his field goal percentage, he's not you know going like Kevin Love who hits you two threes a game and then shoots 42%. Leonard can do it at a much higher percentage. And there's, there's a real chance that the Blazers go with those lineups where they play him in a five out sort of situation and allow him to, and, and really allow the team sort of confuse other defenses just by having anyone who can take a shot from anywhere really and, and have a lot of these threats like McCullum and Lillard and Leonard all on, on the court as guys who can hit hit threes and hit tough threes and hit them at high percentages as well. It, it's a real ch- it could be a real challenge for teams. And if Amino continues his you know, development of the three-point shot that, which, that we saw in the playoffs, it, it could be a really you know, threatening offensive offensive lineup for, for other teams to try and deal with. Yeah, I I almost I, the the other guy I was thinking of mentioning was Aminu because I do think that now he's going to be playing more of a traditional big man role. Maybe he falls into some more rebounds, you know, as the the full time power forward. He has guarded bigs before in the past, and then again the three point shot. Uh, he shot thirty six percent last season. That is the question for me, and I just you know I think Myers Leonard. Just I've seen more of Myers Leonard shooting threes to believe that it's going to stick around. Not so sure about Aminu's three-point shooting. You know, I, I think it will. I don't think it's going to be a, a thing where he was 36% last year and is going to be terrible, you know, this year, you know, unless he gets injured or something. But I don't think he will. And I just think that uh, I think Aminu is going to continue to be, you know, steady, decent three-point shooter. And I think he probably could fall into a couple more, some more rebounds. Uh, in you know being tasked to be the the four for most of the season. 
uh, that, that is definitely his best position. We've seen it in the past when he was in Dallas and, and New Orleans as well. He he's had a 20 rebound game on his resume. Like he is a really really good rebounder. He plays a little bit closer to the rim. You're going to get some significant rebound numbers. He can block shots. He's a guy that you wouldn't if he came out with a stat line of having 12 points, 18 rebounds, three blocks, two threes. You'd go okay. That's that's not going to happen all the time, but it's not something that is impossible. Whereas players, you'd look at it and go, "There's no way he pulls in 18 boards and then blocks three shots." Where Amino can do all that sort of stuff, and if he moves into the four, you know, closer to the rim, more block opportunities, more rebound opportunities, and then provides that stretch option, he's going to have a pretty big season. He's a really interesting last round target for me. Look, we don't know what the minutes he's going to get and how they're going to run that rotation. But if he gets 31, 32 minutes, you're looking at a guy to get eight rebounds and score you know, 12 points and hit you one and a half, maybe two threes and get you a steal a game and get you a block a game. And all that's really valuable. So he's a really nice late round target to me in fantasy just because he's playing in a role that's going to suit what he does more and then suit his ability to accumulate stats in those sort of categories. So I'm really interested to see what he's going to be able to do this coming season. Um all right, let's, let's talk. Uh, let's talk Mo Harkless then. Uh, again, I mentioned him earlier on. He's had some issues shooting the three uh, over the course of his career, but I just feel that when he plays, teams are better, and his his defense is is really really important. And I feel like his three point shots better than what the percentages actually say. Am I crazy in thinking that he can actually you know, develop into a threat there? I don't, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think he's. His shot doesn't look that bad. And you also have to consider that the three-point shots that he's getting in the offense for the Blazers are much better than whatever shots he was getting with the Magic. Uh, Just because whenever he was playing, because they, they rarely played him. And I just think that the fact that those shots come so regularly that the three-point shot is encouraged for basically every perimeter player on the Blazers, no matter how poorly you've shot before. And I think that also, I think he could, I mean, he shot the three pretty well uh, in the playoffs, I believe, like at least much better than he had throughout the season. And I, I think that he has much more of a chance to become an effective spot up three point shooter when the ball is swung to him than becoming a, you know, post up guy, a guy that can kind of create his own. I think the Blazers tried to get him in the post a little bit early last year, realized it didn't work. And they really just fo- honed him in on, you know, shooting threes and also crashing the glass. I think that's one of the things that he was really good at. Obviously, you know, his his rebound rate wasn't particularly high, but I think also it took him a little while to kind of find that he was really good at that and and find what he was asked to do when they took all the post-ups and all that stuff out of his game and stopped calling those plays. You know, I really think that uh, if he plays, I think he could, you know, be a decent, you know, low 30s three-point shooter and also – you know, maybe get you a little extra offensive boards, definitely some steals. He's usually probably going to be guarding, you know, the better offensive players for teams. So, you know, he'll have opportunities to to really, you know, I think he will have opportunities and is a guy that can get some numbers and he's really young as well. Yeah, he's young and he's a guy that's a, a triple one sort of player to me. That's a guy that can average a three, a steal and a block and they're really rare in fantasy. And look, even if he gets 26 minutes, he can do that. And if you see at the start of the season, they're starting him and playing him 28 minutes, 27 minutes, which is a possibility. Then you know, the, his ability to get those numbers and give you five rebounds or 10 or 11 points, that's really secondary to getting a steal, a block and a three a game and doing it at pretty high field goal percentage as well. So he can be really useful in that sort of a, in that sort of a setting. But it's all dependent on how Stotts wants to run this rotation and whether he's going to go with that lineup that he used down the stretch last season of, of having Harkless play alongside these guys and provide you know, really, really top-notch perimeter defense. Now, Vonley started a big chunk of games last season. I, I couldn't – I understand they wanted to get minutes into him, but he was dreadful. He was dreadful all of his time uh, in Charlotte. He was dreadful for nearly all of last season. He's, his net rating numbers were abysmal. He played over 600 minutes with the other starters, and I think the next highest lineup he played with was like 80 minutes. So the fact that his net rating was so, so disgracefully low considering he played – 90, 80% of his minutes with the starters is just unfathomable to me that he could be that poor and eventually start to realize his mistake. He probably isn't in the rotation this year. Is that right? 
Yeah, I think that's a pretty safe assumption to to assume that he's not going to play very much uh, this season. He just uh, – maybe maybe you can point me in a different direction. I just don't see it with him. I know he flashes this stretch big potential. He's played in three summer leagues. He's yet to even show any sort of signs of dominance in that sort of setting, which once you're in your second year, and especially once you're in your third year, like go out there and show these guys that you're an NBA player who's been in the system for three years. But he's never even shown that ability there. He looks lost at times. He takes some bad shots. What am I missing with him? I, I think the – defensive potential that he has and even you know he's not even just you know potential I, yeah I mean it's mostly potential because he's had moments where you know when the Blazers I think they beat they beat the Warriors in February when Damian Lillard had like 50 points or something last year and Von Ley was out there you know switching everything all over the place super long arms big hands you know is ex- extremely quick for a guy his size you know, those are the things that I think you can get enamored with. He can handle the ball a little bit offensively. You know, he's a good ball handler, like, you know, a lot of guys his age played AAU, you know, did all the dribbling that, you know, playing on the perimeter to, you know, get better and become a versatile player. I think he does space out at times. I think he does look lost either, you know, defensively. But, you know, the weird thing with him is that sometimes, you know, he would space out and still make the play. But, you know, you can't really have that on a team that now has playoff aspirations. I think last year it worked for them for a couple of reasons. One, they weren't they said they wanted to make the playoffs, but nobody was really expecting them to make the playoffs. So it was kind of a, you know, no lose proposition by starting him. The second one was that Myers Leonard and Ed Davis had really good on court, off court numbers together as just a pair. And they didn't really need offense on the starting lineup. So they just found a way to get Vonley some minutes, get him a little experience. But yeah, I don't, I don't see him getting a whole lot of minutes, but I still kind of believe in him as a project. You know, he just turned 21 and I think that just turned 21 didn't play the, didn't even play postseason college basketball. Um, you know, really inexperienced as a player had a hernia a sports hernia his rookie year last year was really his rookie year you know he did play a little bit but didn't get a training camp in charlotte and then last year was like really effectively his first rookie year so i think with vonley it's kind of a time thing almost like it was with myers leonard a couple of years ago when myers leonard would you know show flashes but it just clearly wasn't ready to really contribute Okay, that's look. I'm admittedly very down on Von Lay, so it's good to hear another perspective. And I just, I just don't believe in it. So people who want to you know, listen to what Eric's saying and saying the yeah, potential's there, you can, you can go and look stash him. But it's going to take a while in a dynasty type format for him to really do much because he, he feels like it's just a long way, a long way behind, especially given the depth that's that's on this team in that in that front court as well. Um, Shabazz Napier is sort of here as the third point guard. He struggled in his first couple of seasons. He, again, McCullum is, is the backup point guard. Evan Turner is probably the third ball handler. So the trade they made for Napier is just a, an emergency sort of situation, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely break the glass on Shabazz Napier, uh, you know, in case of emergency. Uh, that that's He's not going to see the floor very much. Uh, you know, it's going to be Lillard and McCollum and Turner handling the ball i'm sure if you know the blazers had their way and all their wishes they would hope that alan crab could even improve a little bit in the in the playmaking department so um ideally i don't i don't ideally they don't want to see shabazz napier have a lot of time but you know maybe they're betting again that you know getting a guy out of orlando will help you know will help that guy <laughs> Alan Crabbe's a name that you just brought up, and he's an interesting one to me because, again, people will often say to me, oh, yeah, they've paid Crabbe all this money. He's going to have a big breakout. He's going to get this big role. And I, I, I just don't see how it happens because you know, he played his 27 minutes a night last year, but basically the whole crew is, is back, and Evan Turner's added into that mix. So I can't see him going and playing a 32-minute role and becoming this all-round contributor. His game is not friendly for fantasy. He doesn't do much. Yes, he hits threes at a high percentage great for the team it's great for the spacing he doesn't 
get assists. He doesn't rebound. He doesn't score much. He has a great free throw percentage, but doesn't get to the line. He doesn't block shots. He doesn't do anything in fantasy. So even to me, if he played 31 minutes a night, I wouldn't really have too much interest in him. And even then, it, how how does he get a bigger role? Or is he just going to be stuck in that similar role to we saw last season with some slight improvements? I really think that uh, it's going to be a similar role. Uh, I think really, you know, I don't know if Evan Turner is going to take too many of his minutes, but, you know, because, you know, Gerald Henderson's gone and uh, he was, Gerald Henderson was really a big part of uh, Portland's success last year as well. And I kind of just see Crabb in the similar role. You know, some nights he'll play 30, some nights he won't. And uh, he's going to hit threes. Maybe he can get a little bit more active defensively with some more steals. But again, Terry Stotts uh, and his team, they don't like the team to gamble for steals. They prefer that, you know, steals just come by being in good defensive position and doing what you need to do. And, you know, so I don't necessarily know if his steal numbers are going to go up. And I do think that, yeah, I don't necessarily know if there's a whole lot of room for Crab's role to grow. I think he can improve as a player. Uh, with little things, you know, defensively, maybe get a little bit better at passing the ball, at finding guys who can, or, or putting the ball on the floor and just being a better creator for others. But um, I don't necessarily see a, a huge uptick in his minutes or his numbers or, or anything like that, just because I think he's pretty much going to have the same role uh, once again, if not, you know, a little bit diminished if Evan Turner really fits well with the guys out there. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And that's why, you know, I urge caution of people saying, oh, yeah, he's signed this big contract. They're going to do this with him. They're just not. He's just going to do what he did. They wanted to retain talent. Fine. It was a good play from Brooklyn to make that deal. Portland matched it. He's there. He's going to play his 27, 28 minutes. He's going to shoot one and a half to two threes a game on, on pretty decent percentages. But he just doesn't do enough in any of the other areas to be anything more than a guy that you stream in and let me get some threes. Unless someone goes down and McCollum's injured and he has to step into a bigger role and then we might see something. But his game just doesn't doesn't scream, I'm a great fantasy player, despite being a really useful piece and a really good rotation piece for, for a good or a good Blazers team. I think we've uh, covered most most guys on this roster. Um, anyone? Oh, unless you've got something really insightful to say on Pat Connaughton. You know, Connaughton's a guy that if someone gets hurt in the Blazers' wing rotation, that I think he's the most likely to get called up, so to speak, to actually play some some minutes for this team. They're pretty stacked in the perimeter, but I think if an injury were to occur, I think that they would give Connaughton the first shot over Lehman or Luis Montero or whoever you know they have on the roster at that point. Uh, I, I think Connaughton, he's a guy that... You know, last year, you know, it'd be the locker room at the end of a game and, you know, guys are fighting to play three on three with Connaughton. So he can play or two on two with Connaughton. They want Connaughton to be on their team. So Connaughton can play. I think he will get the first call if anybody gets hurt. Yeah, look, he's a better player than Montero. He's a better player than, than Lehman, but he's just a he's a fair way off being a, being an impactful sort of guy. Um What's your bold prediction for this team, Eric, for this coming season? It can be framed however however you want to frame it. I think they'll I think they'll have home court advantage in the in the first round of the playoffs. I, I think that's my uh, it's my main takeaway. That's my main bold bold prediction. I think they'll be a top four, potentially top three team. I think that they're going to be really good. I think that last year they were their overall record was really hurt by just an abysmal start. To the season last year, they went 11 and 20 and really just turned it around around Christmas. And then that's how they got to where they ended up, which was the fifth seed. And I know the West is going to be a little bit better, but I think that they're going to be, you know, a top four seed, potentially top three. I think I think them and Utah is going to be a really interesting battle for, um, you know, who gets home court out of the Northwest division, because I don't know if more than one team is going to get it. Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't have the Blazers getting that high. I think, still think they make the playoffs, but I, I think that they potentially got better and might actually have a, a worse season in terms of you know, getting to the second round. Um, you know, we know the, the circumstances that led them to get to the second round last season, but they might have actually gotten better as a team and, and added more talent despite you know, some queries about how it may fit, but they might not be able to advance as far and look at as good as they did towards the end of the season as, as what 
as what they might do this season. That that might be the concern, and that's something that's not really under their control due to those other circumstances that saw them advance last season. Um, all right, Eric, what? Um, give us a plug for your Twitter handle and for the podcast and anything else you've got uh, coming up. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore Gunderson. Uh, you can follow the Locked On Blazers podcast on Twitter at Locked On Blazers. Uh, and you can follow the podcast and subscribe to it on iTunes, on Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, you have you know, an episode coming out tonight. And, uh, well, not tonight. It's last week. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know. Uh, no, definitely. Well, we are, we are, we will have episodes coming out tonight because we're back to daily. Um, and anyway, uh, yeah, please locked on, get locked on blazers, uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, audio boom, of course, uh, the people who host our podcast and yeah, no, just, uh, be on the lookout for episodes, subscribe. We're going to, you know, bring you daily podcasts, uh, every day on the blazers, at least five days a week. So, uh, tune in subscribe i write occasionally for blazers edge nothing cooking at the moment right now but uh definitely check on the lockdown blazers feed where we have you know good interviews good chats just like this one and uh i do i I fly solo a lot on the podcast so uh you know tune in with me and and hang out with me on lockdown blazers yeah, absolutely. I, I, most of the time, I'm solo on this podcast as well, Eric. So you, know, you get used to talking to yourself um, yeah, pretty quickly. Leave yeah. a review for this show. Leave a review for Eric's show. Five stars. It's fantastic when you do that. So we, we do really appreciate it. You can follow me on Twitter at redrock underscore b-ball. Do the same with Eric. Don't, not the same Twitter handle, but you follow him on Twitter as well. And uh, that's it. Eric, thank you for, uh, for taking the time to come and talk all things Portland. Thanks, Josh. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. All right, that was our conversation with Josh Lloyd of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Hope that has you feeling a little bit prepared, and also I hope that you kind of liked uh, a little different take on the conversation about the Blazers. Not so much about you know the wins and losses, a l- little bit different to, to talk about you know their impact as as fantasy guys, and um, also a good exercise in you know just talking about the team in general because I think you do stumble upon some relevant observations both when you're talking about fantasy that can later on relate to. Um, you know, how they'll perform and how they'll be as a basketball team. So, uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed that. We'll be back again tomorrow, and we'll see you then.